It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. All right, Stephen Holbrook joins me now. Certainly a Second Amendment expert, and Stephen, boy, do we need experts to talk about what's going on. One more case going to the Supreme Court, and in this case, the New York concealed carry issue. Uh, New York's not a friendly state, especially if you're downstate. So the basis of the case first and the right to carry issue before the Supreme Court, what is it? Oh, good to talk to you, David. Um, The Second Amendment, as everybody knows, except some judges, uh, refers to the right of the people to keep and bear arms in states that won't be infringed. And what's going on in some lower courts, including the Second Circuit, which has jurisdiction over New York State, um, is they basically say, well, yeah, it says the right to bear arms, but there's a history of um, of regulation going back to medieval England, and that overrides the explicit language of the Second Amendment. But finally, at last, the Supreme Court has decided to take on this case, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Courtland, and it's going to hopefully resolve the issue of whether the state can just de- deny you the right to bear arms based on their claim that you don't have a need to do it. Uh, you yeah, don't need that, to. Can you just pause it. on that point right there? Because uh, when you look at this case, they the state says, or at least in this decision, you need to demonstrate a special need beyond a general desire for self-protection. How do you separate the two as the state? Well, look, when they say um, you are in the same class as other people, basically, and you don't uh, deserve a license, they they say that if you live in a high-crime neighborhood, everybody else is like you, so you have no special need, therefore you don't get a permit. And the way it works, in fact, is that if you're a celebrity or you're somebody politically favored or famous or rich, you might get a license to carry, but otherwise, no. Just by coincidence, um, I have a new book, The Right to Bear Arms, um, A Constitutional Right of the People or a Privilege of the Ruling Class. It came out just three days before the Supreme Court announced that it was going to hear the case, and it's exactly on the same points. Uh, The text, history, and tradition of the Second Amendment, which is the basis for the right to bear arms. We have a long tradition in America of, of the right to keep and bear arms. And so we're not bound by some English tradition. I mean, have they never heard of 1776? Well, even more so, data and statistics. Who often needs the protection or the right to protect themselves? Uh, the, the point taken about celebrities, famous people, or people in, you know, quote, special circumstance situations in New York versus the person who lives in a bad neighborhood, that's the person statistically that's more often at risk. So the court's decision, the lower court's decision at the second court, second circuit, seems to ignore statistically what's what's in front of all our eyes. Right. They, they just really don't care. They have this false premise that the state will take care of you um, you know, it raises the, the old saying, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. And now they're not even minutes away, as we know from the summer of violence of 2000. Uh, you call the cops and they're not coming. And they'll tell you that when you call 911. I mean, 
everybody knows what's going on. The police cannot protect you, and they're not liable if, if they don't protect you. There's plenty of court decisions on that. So, you know, do you have a, a right to preserve your life um, or, you know, or, or are you just dependent on the state? And, and if it comes through, it helps you fine. And if it doesn't, that's fine, too. You know, in your book, you talk about the constitutional right or privilege of the ruling class. The ruling class in this case seems to be one with a political bent. Uh, not seems to be. It is. Uh, And these judges are making what is essentially a seemingly ideological decision, again, when faced with the data, the statistics, the facts about when firearms matter. And as you said, when seconds count, police are minutes away. And as I said, you know, Steve, if we relegate ourselves to police response time, we're in trouble. It just doesn't work. Right. And and the way they get around the the Second Amendment, that's part of the Bill of Rights, they say, well, yeah, maybe you have a right to bear arms, but if you don't have a need to do so, the state can tell you that you don't have a need. And about the statistics and, and the crime and everything, they just say, well, um, the other side says they have their own statistics, you know, their own truth. And if there's more guns on the street, then there'll be more crime. And they're not looking specifically at those who go through all these these hoops to get a license, you know, they have the background checks, they have the training, the whole works. They're more unlikely to commit a crime than a police officer is statistically. So the the whole um, argument that uh, they can somehow make up some judicial doctrine, they call it intermediate scrutiny, where um, they can do away with a fundamental right if, if the police say you don't need to exercise it. Imagine applying that logic to the right to free exercise of religion or free speech or the right against unreasonable search and seizure. Well, you really don't have a need to exercise this right. The police can come in your home and they don't need a search warrant because you have nothing to hide, right? I mean, this makes a mockery of constitutional rights. Well, speaking of mockery, let's go to the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. One of her arguments, and in uh, her brief provided to the court on this case, is that the law in New York as it is was a reaction to an increase in homicides and suicides. She actually brought that into the argument. Committed with concealed firearms early in the 20th century. That's in a written brief. Now, the word concealed is put in there, but the word concealed is falsely applied. I'll be nice and call it that. Because criminals conceal when they carry. They don't carry them openly on their way to the crime. So she twists language. You know, when you look at this, I mean, a sensible person, you don't need to be a Supreme Court judge, can look and say that what she's doing is trying to angle the argument and just dismiss it. But do you think that will happen in the court? And I don't think that that kind of reasoning is going to get very far. And let me say some about the history of, and regulation in New York. They didn't even regulate concealed weapons until the late 19th century. And they didn't require a license to carry until 1911, the Sullivan Law. And, um, and what happened at that time, they were basically uh, in an anti-immigrant mood. Uh, they thought these Italian immigrants coming over, they carry weapons to protect themselves, and they're going to eradicate that. And and you had the Tammany Hall, you had all this corruption, and the Irish 
were in control and they were in competition with the Italians. And so so we're going to put these people in, in prison for a year. The very first case that came before the courts on the Sullivan Law, uh, the, the defendant was reamed out for being one of those Italian, hot-headed Italians who carry guns for protection. And the, the defendant tried to explain the black hand, the criminal gangs, they're after me, and I'm trying to protect myself. And New York, they're not going to protect you. And, I mean, that's the, the whole legal doctrine all the way to today. You know, we're going to make it a, a major crime for you to carry a gun to protect yourself, but we don't have to protect you. The whole thing, the whole history has been scandalous. And I think the Supreme Court's going to re- rein them in finally. What could this case uh, say or dictate in the form? And should it come down, uh, you know, on our side of this argument? What could it say to the rest of the country, especially if that precedent is set? What about other states? Well, there's eight outlier states that don't uh, recognize the right to bear arms. Forty-two states do. In 42 states, you can get a permit to carry. All you have to do is have a clean record and meet any any training qualification. Uh, but these are some of the big states that outlaw the right. Uh, California, New York, um, you know, New Jersey, Maryland, go down the list. Some of them are smaller states. But if the Supreme Court adheres to the explicit language of the Second Amendment, these states are going to have to recognize the right of ordinary citizens to apply for these carry permits and, and to get them. And they can't deny them based on the idea that well, you don't have a need to exercise this constitutional right. Well, you see, Steve, I think the the way they try to classify need is part of the problem here. And don't get me wrong, they're successful with some of these uh, more activist judges and anti-gun politicians because it's not their right to determine my need. The state cannot determine, and in the Constitution, my individual rights are protected. Yes, there are parameters around what we can and can't do or should and shouldn't do in a civilized and ordered society. But at the core of this is my individual rights, your individual rights, or any listener's individual rights. Right, David. I mean, think about the whole purpose of a Bill of Rights. It's not just to tell the government and for the government to interpret uh, what the rights are. It's for ordinary people like you and me and people on the street. You need to know what your rights are. Um, The framers weren't in the mood to say, well, we have this list of tentative rights, and and if the government wants to recognize them, they can interpret them or interpret them away, and and la-di-da. I mean, people need to insist on their rights. Can you imagine – being charged with a crime and being told, well, you really don't have a need to the right to counsel, Sixth Amendment, uh, or, or for any other purpose of, of a constitutional right. You really don't have a need to exercise that right. That's not for the government to say. The whole concept of the Bill of Rights is to establish what your rights are and the fact that you can exercise them and you determine your own needs. I think about this as I'm listening to you. We're a country that gives... A- I would say probably, if not the highest, one of the highest levels of rights, even to a criminal, the right to due process, the right to defense, uh, the right not to be abused within the system if falsely, if a case is prosecuted wrongfully. I mean, to me, that's a logical counterbalance to their arguments, or maybe I'm 
off base. What do you think? Well, we have these rights that are recognized and justice comes first. And so, yeah, there's times when criminals get off because of a illegal search and seizure uh, or their right against self-incrimination was violated. That's the cost you pay for a free society. And by the same token, the right to keep and bear arms, that exists so the people can keep the government in check and also defend themselves from private criminals. And you can say, well, all right, we're not going to recognize any of these rights and the government's going to take care of everybody. And it doesn't work that way. Governments are made of of people, too. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And and where where do you stand? Which kind of society would you rather live in? One where uh, police are required to get search warrants or or that, um, you know, if you're accused of a crime, you're not presumed to be guilty. You're presumed to be not guilty. And, um, you know, you pay a price for having rights, but you pay pay a higher price in societies where these rights are not recognized, like the totalitarian countries. Well, we will see how this plays out. Uh, do we have an expected uh, timeline on this case when it will go before the Supreme Court? It's been accepted. Uh, but what about the timeline? Well, the, the court just issued an order that the the briefs are going to start being filed in, in July, early July. The briefing will be finished um, in the late summer, and then I expect the case will be argued orally in October. Uh, but this is going to be one of those uh, big ones, the big kahuna kind of case that they wait until June at the end of the term to render decision. So we're talking po- uh, possibly June 2022 to have a decision from this case. Too long for me, but that's the schedule that uh, that we have to put up with. I'd like to see that, unfortunately, a little bit late to get on the docket, obviously, for this year. Uh, the book is The Right to Bear Arms, A Constitutional Right of the People or a Privilege of the Ruling Class, available for you wherever books are sold. Uh, and that is by my guest, Stephen P. Hallbrook, a Second Amendment expert, senior fellow with the Independent Atter- uh, Institute and an attorney. Stephen, I'll be watching this one because those other states, I think they're watching as well. Oh, absolutely, David. Uh, Nice to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Stephen. 866-95-PATRIOT. That wraps up the hour. Critical race theory and a win for us next. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.